We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got it. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a Victory Monday edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Nobody loves to bank; they love what banking can help them achieve. Emprise Bank is looking to say yes to those with the dream, whether it's saving for your first home, a new car, starting a family, starting a business, like the KCSN Draft Guide. Emprise is your partner in possible Emprise Bank member FDIC. This is a Victory Monday edition. A lot of fun. Here to talk with my pals. Find him on Twitter at Maddie KC Maddie underscore KCSN. Matthew Lane. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hello. I'm I'm pretty good. Um, I'm thrown off. This the bye week for the Chiefs here, right? It's coming a little earlier than it has the past few seasons, and I don't really know what to do with it. Normally, I spend this entire time hounding Kent to let us talk about draft prospects, but it's too early for y'all to hear about that yet. I don't think anybody wants to hear about that just yet, besides the few people that have DM'd me asking if we're going to do a draft-related show during the bye week. Besides that, um, so yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little thrown off right now by this bye week being so early. Um, Craig, I don't know about you. I don't know if you were enjoying this late October bye or what you have going on with this thing. I, you know what? I don't really care when it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't. It's just kind of all one amalgamation of everything. Before we get started, want to shout out the Casey Current in the NWSL Championship next week. That's going to be great. So shout out to them for having an awesome season going from dead last to the NWSL Championship. That's awesome. That's enough about them. Let's get on to football, Kent. I should have worn my jersey tonight. If I if we could have coordinated, I would have worn my jersey. Oh, wouldn't well, that be? Did we, how did that? How did that game go for you guys? 
I, if you're talking about the halftime, did you pass out on the field? I did not. <laughs> but but I wouldn't did. it be like bad luck to wear the jersey of the team that came out on the under? Maybe. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Matthew. Um, <clears throat> any, uh, all right, we'll, we'll just go. Hey, look, we're going to celebrate this victory. Leave some comments. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Tell us what you want to talk about. The things that got you excited about the Chiefs game this week. Uh, Maddie, what got you most excited after a little bit of time has settled here? Uh, hmm. And it's still just the way that all the answers the Chiefs were able to find for the problems they were having. It, this didn't feel like a game where the Chiefs came out and just did what they do. It worked better than the opposing defense could stop them, and therefore they put up a bunch of points. This seemed like a relatively specific game plan not even just to attack the 49ers although part of that was definitely there but it was a lot of stuff to protect the weaknesses that they had and how the 49ers would exploit it so you saw a lot of cover four with defenders and safeties crashing downhill under you know on some short stuff you saw the chiefs start to push the ball to the outside there was some back shoulder stuff then try to push the ball deep they have difficulty handling good defensive ends you saw them do a lot of chipping, change up their pass protection, dealing with Mahomes staying in the pocket a little bit more frequently. Run game's not working. You get McCole Hardman, that jet motion work, you know, going, and that opens up the run game. They literally presented a bunch of answers for all the complaints that we as fans have had on the offensive side throughout the beginning of the season. So it was really nice to see like, hey, it's almost like an acknowledgement. A hat tip that says, hey, we do know how to beat this. Now, don't mind us. We're going to go back to trying to win games by one score late in the fourth quarter every <laughs> single game for the rest of the week and don't panic anymore. Uh, yeah, you just know that they can fall back on this, I guess. It, mine, back shoulder throws, man beaters, things like that, things that we've been calling for for a long time. You know, Chiefs are seeing more man this year than they have at any point, uh, you know, with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback because obviously – Tyreek Hill is a very dangerous person to play man coverage against. So is Travis Kelsey. Teams felt a little more comfortable lining up and trying to take away Juju Smith-Schuster, MBS, Sky Moore, McCall Hardman, whoever it may be out there in man coverage while they could still bracket Travis Kelsey. Now all of a sudden, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, you know, you know, whoever it was that came out with it with this game plan, all of a sudden starts dialing up some of these man beaters. Those back shoulder throws are killer. Like if, if Patrick Mahomes is going to be throwing those at these guys, that opens up so much more that this offense is going to do so much more from a conversion standpoint. It's awesome to see stuff like that. It's awesome to see some of the other man beaters. It's awesome to see the screen game get going and be effective again, be really effective. Those are hallmarks. And those are things that we have come to trust Andy with in big high leverage moments we don't always see them, but we definitely saw them this week against a very good defense. And with all these new players, it's nice to know that that's still in the bag. They can still reach in and pull it out when they need to. And it, like Maddie said, gives you confidence. You know, if they're not looking good at some point, it gives you confidence that what we've seen against the best defenses in the league, that's more of what they are than maybe what they're trying to skate by with week after week. And real Excuse quick, me. which offensive coach do we think has probably thrown the ha, called the most back shoulder plays in his NFL Ooh. career that the Chiefs currently have? Like, is there maybe a guy that I don't know coached Allen Robinson who essentially saying, only was was Matt Nagy here uh, yeah. when Kelvin Benjamin signed for like a year? 
I, for that one back shoulder throw that Patrick yeah, Mahomes has ever thrown. Might have been yes. one more than since Matt Nagy left. Just, I'm not saying the game plan was Matt Nagy. It's just I, you know, I find it slightly interesting. That's all. Okay, mm-hmm. you can go on, Kent. Uh no, I find I I think that is slightly interesting too. Um, I you guys are gonna be stunned by this. Uh, I was really impressed with Patrick Mahomes, and and honestly, not throw, all, baby. Yeah, it was it was all it was it was all of it, but um. I was just blown away with like how pocket passery he was this week. Um, he was so good being ready to throw on his back, like once his back foot landed at the top of his drop. It was just so consistent and so impressive how good in rhythm he was with his feet for the entirety of the game. Like we talked a little bit about in the post game show, like you know, hey, look. Rushing three, keeping a spy. What's the response to that? You got to be better from the pocket. And Mahomes wasn't, it wasn't the th- necessarily just the three, you know, three man, you know, three man rush and, and, and spy the entire time. The four man rush. Mahomes was still getting back into his drop. He was throwing the ball consistently. He was, um, you know, he was on time. He was ready to throw and he was delivering strikes. And when he wasn't, you know, when, when the top of the top of the route or what top of the drop wasn't there, slide moving around a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was really content and insistent on staying within the pocket and giving the structure of the play a chance. Look, Mahomes is incredible. He can create out of structure better than anybody in the National Football League. He's a special, special talent. But what I like about him and what I liked this week is, okay, the Bills didn't think he was going to be a drop back passer consistently enough last week. Do you know what he said? It took him one week to say, you know what? Watch this. And he went out and responded and was the best pocket passer in the National Football League yesterday. He was the best passer in the National Football League yesterday. He was insane, I thought, outside of that first possession. <laughs> and even then, I think it was blamed on or insinuated that it was Sky Moore's fault if I heard right, Matty. It was a it was a pretty direct blame from Andy Reid on yeah. Sky Moore, which which it, it, you know it wasn't mean or anything. It's not like he completely tried to throw him under the bus, but that was about as direct as Andy was ever going to be about saying it was somebody else's fault. He you know pretty much just said Sky Moore was supposed to wrap around the defender and then settle down a little bit tighter to the line of scrimmage rather than continue upfield because San Francisco was playing quarters or cover four and driving on stuff. So yeah, he pretty much said that throw was not on Mahomes at all. Mahomes sat there and mm-hmm. talked to Sky more about it and why that happened. And then from that point, Kent's right. This is this was one of the better, if not the best, pocket passing game you kind of we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. Very rarely did he get out of the pocket. And yes, there was some second reaction plays where he's making crazy throws from weird angles and stuff. But for the most part, everything was on time. Everything was in a rhythm. And that's really good to see. Like, it's not going to happen every week. Not every week you're going to go up against a defense that's missing two of their top three corners, and then their next, you know, then their second quarter or their last remaining starter is injured with his groin in Traverius Ward. Then on the first or the second series, they lose their other starting corner and Diamondor Lenore. Like, that secondary was beat up. So it makes sense that they were able to play in rhythm and on time, but it was still nice to see. That's something the Chiefs don't often do. And... They did it without just running mesh 800 times. They did it without just running variations of Hank or spot routes over the middle of the field where Travis Kelsey's getting the ball as soon as he gets out of his little option. They were getting all these different guys on all three different levels. So yeah, it, it was a great performance. It was the rhythm passing. It was the pocket movement. 
The offensive line, the protection was great. Jarek McKinnon is doing God's work, chipping guys. Mm. I, I can only imagine how upset the offensive staff is of having to chip so often, but boy, it, it's becoming very effective. Like <laughs> these defensive ends are a little scared of old number one coming through with that shoulder into the rib cage. Well, and that's why the, the old, uh, Refs had to put an end to it, had to kill one of those early because Jared McKinnon was too dominant picking up and pass protection. No, it was everything. Uh, they were showing stuff out of every, you know, alignment, personnel formation. I mean, hell, one of those McColl you know, touchdowns was out of 13 personnel. Like, th- that's awesome. That's what we see them use in the red zone. We've seen them get Jody Fortson out in space. We've seen them get Noah Gray some looks and obviously Travis Kelsey some looks out of that. That's what the Chiefs like to bring out as their heavy personnel there in the red zone. So to get a horizontal stretch, you get those linebackers basically at the second level, having to try and trail that with the safeties a little bit back farther. Like that's dangerous and that's scary. Those those are the off-speed pitches that we're starting to see off of some of the stuff that Andy Reid has already put on film. And so when we talk about Andy being maybe a little more basic, a little more vanilla and things like that. It's stuff like that, you know, coming out in 13 personnel and running the ball, you know, trying to throw a back shoulder or trying to throw a fade, not a back shoulder one, a fade to Jody Fortson in the corner of the end zone, something like that, that we've seen time and time again. Then you get defenses that are scouting it that now all of a sudden are going, okay, well, we're going to pick up on this. We're going to really tee off on this. And Nick Bosa said it perfectly. He said, listen, they put a lot on my plate and I didn't handle it well. Like he commented that, they basically threw the kitchen sink at him with all the other variants that they had in the book on that. And that's not just for Nick Bosa. And that's obviously how you neutralize an elite pass rusher. But that's not just for Nick Bosa. Now every defensive coordinator coming out of the bye, they're going to be looking at this going, hell, okay, we got we got to deal with all of this now. And we got to deal with all of these things now. So just puts more on the plate for every defense that they have to come up against again. It's not like Andy burned it. He's got plenty more in the book. It's just good to see him against the number one defense. Guys, I got the weirdest look from my boss today. Weirdest look from my boss. I cracked open a strange looking tall boy. She thought it was beer. It wasn't beer. It was liquid death. It was mountain spring water called liquid death why is it called liquid death well because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles they also donate 10 percent of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic water or plastic pollution look i love it i drink the i, I like the the lime seltzer water i like the flat water uh, we all have our favorite preferences we are a very big uh sparkling water family in our house So we have been drinking a lot of liquid death lately. You can go get liquid death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven, or find a local liquid death retailer near you with store locator tool, uh, liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Find where you can get some liquid death near you. Anything on the offensive side of the ball that we haven't touched that you are dying to talk about, Matthew? I think there's a lot. There's a lot of meat left on the bone right here. Um, I The Chiefs had an outside zone from the shotgun work. That, that uh, now, listen, uh, we're going to see that so many more times now because it was blocked up perfectly and it worked for once. Wait a second. That was the angry not- run, by the way. I'm just saying. Were, are I we ever angry. Were we ever not going to see it, though? Like, was there ever a chance we weren't going to see it again? Like, it's just... <laughs> 
it, they ran it. It worked well. That was probably their only running back run that like seemed like really successful. Like that one, they ran the ball okay in this game. A lot of it's inflated because McCole Hardman was successful on a couple mm-hmm. of his little carries and getting touchdowns and stuff. It was nice though to see the Chiefs work the run game off that jet motion, that kind of returning a little bit, and then the threat of McCole getting the ball, something that he had not been doing as much when he was doing that these past few weeks. So it was good to, I think, bring that back in. Maybe that will start to open up a little bit more. Uh, we did see the pin and pull scheme or a play come back once or twice in this game. I don't think it was overly successful like it was against the Bucks, but it did come back. So we know it's still in the playbook. I think just you can see how the run game is transforming. I don't know if it's ever going to be consistently effective or if they'll ever consistently do it, but you can see how it is, you know, going in that direction. So like that, that was nice to see, I think, coming out of this one. Uh, nice to see coming out of this one, Orlando Brown Jr. That was that's good game for OBJ. Uh, we this is uh, now a couple in a row. Uh, he's had some moments, obviously, against elite pass rushers. That happens. Ask Trent Williams what what happens with that. You know, he he got beat fairly soundly a couple of times this week. So Orlando Brown Jr. had a really good night. I think that that gives you some hope. You know, we know that he's been dealing with some injury. Gives you some hope that maybe coming out of the bye, he can be a better version of himself because he's certainly grown into it as the year has come along. Coming out the, to close out this year, if he has an elite close out this year, he can still try and justify that contract. He can still, still try and say, hey, listen, I was working through some stuff. I'm back. I'm healthy. Look at how I finished the year for the second year in a row. I am this guy. I am your left tackle of the future. And obviously, you know, Chiefs, Chiefs fans maybe don't want to pay him at this point, but trust me, being able to pay a guy that you know what he's going to be is going to be a lot easier this offseason than having to maybe replace both of your bookends. So you want him to be good, even if it does mean that you're going to have to shell out some money for him. But do you know what he is? I think that's my final question, though, is do you actually know what Orlando Brown Jr. is? Because that's the holdup. If you get this guy from the past two weeks every game, okay, fine. Let's do that. Mm-hmm if you start to have more up and down performances like we had up to that point, then I don't, you don't know what you're getting every single week. Sure. You have to go in with the game plan that you have to chip on 75% of the plays <laughs> and help his side too. Not just the, you know, right mm-hmm. tackle, which is a little bit weaker, both sides are just the consistency. And you can clearly see that he can be good. We saw in this game, even when he was one-on-one with Nick Bosa, he was fine. He was ultimately fine. So it's there. The ability is there. It's just how often can he do that? How consistent can he be? Maybe there is a lingering injury and coming out of the bye week down the stretch like last year, he'll play a lot better. And then we get to really have a lot of fun talking about if they should pay him or not. <laughs> there's there's so many positive indi- like things from this game. And like, you know, you don't want to blow it up and scale it too much. But like the Chiefs showed so much this week offensively. The thing I love, <laughs> I love, I'm sorry. I'm trying to hang on here, guys. I, my, my throat's killing me. Um, it was before the bye. Like, that's what I, that, that's what geeked me out. This was the game before the bye. We've seen this team slog it out just to get to the bye, to limp to the bye. They go out and put an incredible performance together. And now we get to see this team, you know, we get to see Andy after a bye. We get to see this team self-scout make some adjustments to what they're seeing here. I'm just like, I'm super optimistic about, you know, just seeing all the ingredients kind of start piecing, piecing themselves together against a very good defense. Make no mistake. That is a good defense. The chiefs just bopped 
with a very good pass rush. And the Chiefs solved it, and the Chiefs worked through it and navigated it extremely well. One of the guys I want to talk about, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three catches, 111 yards. After that game, fellas, he's pacing for 896 yards this season. That's kind of surprising to me, but how about that? I love it. I, it was good to see him getting involved. That long, explosive play potential was revealed. I, I think, I think, I, I think after this game, teams are going to be terrified of of trying to be a little bit more downhill aggressive against this Chiefs offense. But it was at least good to show that they will destroy you if you try to get cute, Maddie. Yeah, and I think that's what the Chiefs needed from MVS. I. I'm a little surprised as well that he is pacing for essentially his his best year yardage-wise and receptions. And maybe it is heading towards, I haven't checked it, but his most targets. But it's I mean, the Jets what the Chiefs need. The Chiefs need him to reel in a couple long passes every couple weeks just to show it's the threat. Every team is aware of McCole Hardman's speed. And while since his rookie year, he hasn't been a super effective vertical receiver, the speed is still there. That threat is always, always, always present. So it's nice to have a guy on the outside like MVS who is now starting to win a couple. You know, he's won a couple plays down the field, whether it's down the middle on post routes, whether it is up the sideline now. He's starting to find his role and what it's going to be in this offense. Yeah, the Chiefs are asking him to do more stuff, and it, those things still don't look very pretty when they tried to throw that uh, dig route to him there in the first half. It still wasn't <laughs> the best-looking play. Um, but overall, he's finding his role, and that's what you need to see. Juju Smith-Schuster finding his role. McCole Hardman finding his role. Like all these guys are kind of starting to find that the role that they're going to be used in and MVS's might be the most, not necessarily important, but also the most important because it brings a dynamic level to the offense that has been missing without Tyreek Hill. And even if you do include Tyreek Hill, they haven't had another field stretcher that just wins from the outside. It was still with Tyreek Hill. It was a lot of putting him in the slot and getting him those releases. So it's just a new level of this offense. And I think they are going to need it if they keep seeing a lot of man coverage. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen him get loose. This isn't the first game that we've seen him actually beat a guy deep. I mean, it, it, it's just the connection hasn't quite been there between him and Mahomes. And so to see that blossom is awesome because now you start to get excited about it. Now you start to get excited about the potential of all of that. Him going for 800 yards would be outrageous, especially since Juju is tracking for over 1,200. And obviously so is Travis Kelsey. Like, that is not a fall off in the slightest bit from what this offense was last year. And as a matter of fact, they've been more efficient from a yards per target standpoint. They really have been more consistent over that. So it gives you hope that you can still replicate some of the things that you did have with a Tyree kill while still adding some other elements here. You know, one of the things that we said this offseason, obviously you're never going to replicate Tyree Kill. MBS isn't Tyree Kill. He's not going to be able to take the top off the defense like him. Still can't. But one of the things we said was some of these quick passes, some of these slants, things like that, that the Chiefs have ran, they don't have anybody now that can take that and go the distance, you know, be able to break everything and have these big, long scores that are basically coming out of shallow passes. And in back-to-back -back weeks, We've seen Juju Smith-Schuster run over fools on his way to that. And that has been inspiring because it's a different way of doing things, obviously. And it plays into his style of play. And it makes defenses a little 
less comfortable stepping up, trying to fill that void, trying to step up and come downhill and make a hit because guess what? He's going to roll off of it. And if he rolls off of it, he could go the distance as we've seen the past couple of weeks here. So that makes them a little less comfortable playing that aggressive downhill. It puts a little more space in there. Travis Kelsey can take advantage of it. Juju can take advantage of it. And you still got that threat on the outside. It, it is the sort of receiving group that we would that we had hoped during the offseason. Is it going to be a more well-rounded group that's going to be able to contribute in more ways to try and make up for it? And through seven weeks right now, it definitely feels like that. When it's clicking. When it's clicking, obviously. <laughs> uh, I don't click until I get coffee in the morning. If you love drinking coffee every morning, and who doesn't? You have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roaster roasters across the entire country. Uh, you Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Uh, so whether you're just start getting started uh, or a coffee aficionado, look to discover something new. Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one free. I've gotten some bags and I have not regretted a single one of them. I've got them from both sides of the country, east and west coast, and they've both been great. Um, right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Go to drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription for the best coffees in the country. Again, that is drinktrade.com slash KCSN. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not like I'm about to cry. I really wasn't. I'm just, you know... <laughs> I'm, guys, I've had a cough for two weeks. It's been brutal. Please forgive me. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> that trade coffee I drink later will clear my throat out. Defensive side of the football time, Matthew. Um, by the way, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching this. We really appreciate it. Um, leave some comments. We might try to get some up here in a little while as well. So throw some comments out there, especially what you think about the defensive side of the ball. Give us your grade on the defensive side of the ball as well. Matthew, what was your grade on the defense last oh, week? God, you always do this and make me grade them. And I'm just, I'm just so unsure. I'm just, I'm just always so unsure. Incomplete. They're getting an incomplete grade because <laughs> I think they are still greatly limited by some of their lack of personnel. I think they still have to play very bland coverage shells. I don't think C Spagnol kind of waits until a specific quarter and then unleashes all of his blitzes, and then the other three quarters, he's just kind of like, eh, we're going to play static zones and just hope that one quarter was enough stops that our offense wins. And I don't think that's the plan. I just think they're a little unsure with all these new pieces, with Willie Gay coming out and no Trent McDuffie and all these rookie corners cycling in. They're not sure what they can and can't do right now and be on the same page. They're not sure what they can execute and what they can't. So it seems like Spags is just willing to throw caution into the wind but only for one quarter. It was the second quarter versus Buffalo. It seemed to be the fourth quarter versus the 49ers or the kind of, it was kind of like the bridge of the third and fourth. But they're just like, yeah, here's all of our blitzes in this one chunk of time. Um, so I'm just, I'm not sure what this defense is going to look like three to four weeks from now. It was nice to see some players stand out. I think we'll get to all of them here in a little bit, but like just overall incomplete because I really do think they're having to hold stuff back based around the personnel. 
They definitely are. We know Spags doesn't like to do this. I mean, Spags has a quote. Before the Chiefs hired him to be a defensive coordinator, he did an NFL.com breakdown of coverages. And one of the things he said was, if you're static, you're dead. That referring to static coverages. Guess what the Chiefs have run most of the year? Static coverages. He doesn't want to do this. He's not comfortable doing this. So I, too, kind of feel that way about it. And that's why, you know, been some questions about Justin Reed, been some questions about Juan Thornhill, the rookie corners, things like that. I want to see it once the full scheme is out there. They're certainly playing well enough right now. And I guess yes. the, the the better word maybe is splashy. They they seem to make some splashy plays. And that was certainly the case this week. Um, I put on the KCSN Daily, our, our sub stack. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe. This was part of our free content. But I put up there that... Um, this defense actually came up seven of the 10 drives came up with a stop based on a sack or an interception. So those were drive ending plays that they were able to make. And that was, you know, individual efforts, either through the blitz, forcing a bad throw, whatever the case may be. It was very splashy because they certainly gave up a ton of yards. You look at that, giving up 303 yards through the air to Jimmy Garoppolo is Ungood. It is very ungood, but they made enough plays when it mattered. You know, you you step up in the red zone, you go, you know, two for five in the red zone. That is elite. That's great defense. Hey, you're you're helping your offense out immensely when you're doing that. You're forcing, you know, punts via sacks. You're putting up points on the board via safety. Those are elite plays, and that will play right now while you're still adjusting, while Spags is still having these quarters where he's blitzing, and while you're still playing these static coverages. Because once this all comes together, it's going to be a lot different than what we're seeing right now. And I'm curious, will it get a slight bit worse before it gets better? Are we going to see some growing pains as they start installing a little bit more? Or are we going to see it basically click into place knowing that this is the baseline? And it's just going up from here. I hope that's the case, because if that's the case, there's a lot to get excited about, because this is a great performance. Pass Rush got after these guys really, really well. Turnover's obviously great as well. So you want to build off of this one and add a little bit more to your coverage scheme. I, um, I'm, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't, I, I think we've hit the bottom. And I think it's because the bye week's here. Um, I, I think that's, I think that, is a very this is a very perfect time for the bye week to come because like I think you've seen some positive indicators from some of the young guys like obviously getting Trent McDuffie back and and how long does it take him to acclimate and kind of get back into the swing of things that could be a factor that maybe could potentially slow some things down maybe he finds himself on the wrong end of some explosive plays here but I mean I, I they've thrown a lot at these you know these young corners. And they've put those, they've put them, you know, their feet to the fire in a lot of ways. They put them out on an island and forced them to play man coverage. And, you know, <laughs> it hasn't always been the most, you know, perfect thing. But at the same time, we've, we've seen the young corners come up big in a big way. And, you know, two interceptions at the goal line for two different cornerbacks in two different plays. The Joshua Williams play was great. Like, I don't think Josh Williams has been terrible the last two weeks like he's gotten burned sometimes but i actually think he's been pretty good um and so i think all this experience you know real live bullets and real game experience is massive um for these young corners and i think that could really help the 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 growth of the second half of this season maddie 
So to the Josh Williams point, um, I, I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I think he's been better than Jalen Watson has been. Mm. And that's, I think, big praise. If anyone's been listening, we were very high on Jalen Watson when he took over. We said that Jalen Watson has probably, you know, was going to be better right away than Joshua Williams would be. It was this fine balancing act. Watson seemed more ready to come in right away and start playing, whereas Williams had the higher ceiling. And I still think both those things are true. But right now, when you watch them, you see why Williams has a higher ceiling. You can see him flip his hips. You can see him accelerate out of a break. Some of these slants, yeah, he's giving up a step or two of excel- of separation coming out of them because he maybe doesn't read the stem perfectly. His feet may not be in the exact right spot, but guess what? He has the athleticism and the length to get back to the ball and make plays. He's broke. He broke up three passes yesterday, along with the interception. Two of them were on slants. Like, he was making plays in the Bills game, even despite giving up those two touchdowns, which I'm sure is all anyone's going to remember. He's making pass breakups after that and making plays on the ball. So I don't know. I can very much see why Josh Williams got that first crack day one of training camp to be the starter opposite of Legereus team there for a minute. I can see where and how he is going to maybe take or compete with that role with Watson right away. Not that Watson's been bad by any stretch. It's just the longer he plays, the more I think the athletic limitations you can see come up a little bit. He's really, I think he's still smart, but you can see him, his feet kind of get stuck a little bit when he has to transition. When he has to play the whole of cover two and he's trying to midpoint a flat route and a corner route, mm-hmm. you can see it. He's doing a good job. He's in the right spot, but when he has to click and come downhill, he's just a little bit slower getting through that. Or if he has to drift deep, he's a little bit slower. So I both rookie corners have been great and hopefully they keep getting reps. I'm already ready to say they're like, I, I don't know. Josh Williams might deserve more of the reps than Watson coming out of the bye week because the upside is so much more obvious to me. Okay. Let me let me put on my my counterpoint hat here because Please. I agree with every I, I agree with everything that Maddie said there. And also the the way that he elevated for that for that interception. It took him a long time to come down. That man was floating. That was awesome. But I I think one of the things that Spagnolo asks his corners to do is be willing participants in the run fit. And we've seen a couple of times where he's been very tentative, very, there was a couple of them against the Niners here where he was basically the backside fill where he was going to have to step in and fill the B gap, try and step up and hit Christian McCaffrey. And he was slow or he'd kind of step up and flash, but wouldn't go up and finish the play. Now I get you want, you don't want to miss and allow that to the outside. You don't want to play that, but when we see guys like Legarius Sneed or Charvarius Ward last year, or even Rashad Fenton, those guys aggressively fill and they're able to make that play. They're able to see that run coming. They're able to see the cut and hit it hard. That's coming with time, I think. And I think that Jalen Watson has been just a little bit better at that, a little more aggressive when his run fits and everything like that, which again, we're talking about run fits for corners. I, I, but for Steve Spagnolo, it matters. It really does. It, it matters a lot to him. So I can see him using that as something there. I don't know that there's a wrong choice. I like both of them. I think that they've both been very good. I think that both of them, I'm fine with the rotation. You guys, you want to give them alternate series or something like that. When Trent McDuffie's back as the third corner, when they go into nickel, I'm perfectly okay with that because as it is right now, I'm going to be supporting either one because either decision I don't think is the wrong one. They've both made plays and they've made more plays than the cornerbacks that Steve Spagnuolo has historically trusted. 
I know they've got this track record of being here longer, but mm-hmm. both these guys have shown a propensity to make plays. They both have outstanding measurables. I mean, even the was it was it Jalen Watson that was on George Kittle on that touchdown? Yeah, I, I think it was. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't horrendous coverage. No, either. it was good no. coverage. That it was, wasn't that like was fantastic ball placement by Jimmy. Actually, yeah. he was right there at the catch point. Yeah. Like I well, don't even yeah. have it. Oh, what do you got, Maddie? I was just saying, I'm fairly sure that Ray Ray McLeod's touchdown was on Josh Williams, it but was. I also think that Jimmy G did not try to throw the ball where he did. I think if no. he threw the ball where he wanted to, I think it was not going to be a touchdown. I think he accidentally threw it to a good spot for that play. Ray Ray, like, yeah, no, he he made a great adjustment on that ball and just kind of ran around Josh Williams, <laughs> but Josh Williams had him blanketed. It's just Jimmy G threw a little duck. <laughs> like two yards in front of Josh Williams. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't beat up by that at all. Um, I'm, I just, you know, it's, it's fun to see. Um, it's fun to see those young guys making plays and gives you some hope. Like if the chiefs can find three cornerbacks in the same draft, two of them on day three that they can play, like <laughs> that's big for the future. Oh, massive. Um, Matt. Um, all right. Anything else on defense, Matthew? Yeah, this is too positive. Let's bring us back down to reality. Craig, fix my run defense. Fix it uh, right now. Fix the run D. Okay, I'll fix it by asking the opposition to please <laughs> stop playing heavy personnel so that we <laughs> stop having to watch this team play. Three linebackers um, is obviously a disconnect there. Uh, and it got to the point where Steve Spagnuolo just finally said, enough with this. I don't care. I, I really don't <laughs> care. We're getting beat up against the base defense anyway. I'm not going to leave Leo Chanel and Nick Bolton in primary coverage roles in the base defense, they turned around and they just started running the nickel and just put Legereus need in the box and said, okay, Legereus, you might be better at fitting the run. So we're just going to, we're just going to stick you in here. It didn't help a ton, but it helped a little. Um, There's just, those guys don't know how to play off of each other right now in the base defense. Derek Nottie's getting bossed around a little bit. He's not been quite the player that we hoped when they re-signed him. I'm a big Derek Nottie fan, still plenty of time for him to turn it around, but situations that we've seen him in the past be able to kind of bench press guys, use that strength, they're just not happening as often this season. And it's, it's almost to the point now where he's getting a little bit swallowed up. It's making it harder for the linebackers to play the gaps a little bit better. And then the linebackers are tentative. If they're not coming downhill, those guys haven't really had a shot at filling the gap well. And when I say coming downhill, I mean on the snap, basically not reading out the play and then triggering downhill. I mean, the the Nick Bolton play, one of his best plays of the year, happened in coverage right after this play, but the tackle for loss, he's moving downhill before the snap. He's able to knife through that gap. And Steve Spagnuolo has utilized him very well in that role, utilized Willie Gay well in that role. It works. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing that they're doing that, but when they ask them to stay off ball and read, it seems like things get a little muddy. They're not sure who needs to take what gap. They're not playing off of each other very well, and the defensive line isn't holding as well, and it just makes it to where there's these huge cutback lanes. There are these huge gaps for them to run into the second level. There are seven, eight-yard chunks that are just there for the taking as these guys wait for them to climb up to the middle of the defense, the second level of the defense. It's just not good right now. And just in comparison, when you're in that nickel look and you got Legereus Sneed on the outside there, there, there is a little more freedom. There's a little more pursuit. There's a little more angles that get closed down by him just being 
a ridiculously good run defender from the slot, and it just seems to improve it a little bit more. Well, in the strange part is the Chiefs defensive front, the Chiefs defense is a single gap penetrating scheme, right? Like that's that's what they're trying to do. They are not trying to sit there and two gap with Derek Nani. Now I understand nose tackle. He's still got to be able to anchor on some level and stuff like that. And he's not this year, but they're still, they're single gapping. Yes. Your Mike linebacker oftentimes in base or even in nickel is going to be responsible for two gaps at times, especially if there's going to be a blocker that's being inserted. It's like there's some reading, but the amount of times that all of the linebackers are just sitting flat footed while a guy is climbing directly up to them. And they're just taking contact at their four yards where they are set their alignment at the snap is four yards. And they are sitting there with their heels in the ground, just absorbing a block. And none of them are particularly great at getting off the block. Like Willie Gay, Leo Chanel, even Nick Bolton, when they're coming downhill, they are hard to block. But if they're just sitting there, none of them have great technique to slip it. Willie Gaze is probably the best at this point in time. And I think it makes sense that the run defense is the weakest up the middle than it has been, you know, to the outsides pretty much this year. Now, the cutback lanes are there. They are giving up these cutback lanes. It's just the linebackers are so late to react to everything. When they do start to react, their flow to cutback runs, to split zone runs, or to counter runs is terrible. They run themselves into every climbing blocker imaginable. There was a play early in the game where Frank Clark took the blocker, spiked him into the A-gap, and the running back just cut back off his back hip. And when Frank got up, he looked around. He's like yelling at everybody, like, look where I am. They went behind me. What are you guys doing? And what happened was all the linebackers inserted to the other side of the formation and just got caught in the scrum because nobody saw the flow of the play. So I don't know what the holdup is right now. They are not playing the run technically well. They are not playing it physically well in terms of what they are doing. And I think it's a combination of the defensive line, the linebackers. But it, to me, the linebackers sitting on their heels and then flowing into blocks rather than with the runner is probably the biggest issue right now because none of these guys seem to be seeing the game clearly at all. At least they're playing the Titans next week or in two weeks. That's good. That'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Can we Leo's sign Sorensen for one game? Just no. one game to tackle there. Can't no, we? listen. No. Just, no, just have Nick Bolton spike in the A-gap at all times. Have him run it. Because if he's anything, he's a hell of a tackler. He's going to meet him in That's the gap. That's what they do in the second half. That's what yeah. they do in the second half of every they game. Do. And what happens? There's it a negative better. play in the second yeah. half of every single game that he makes because yeah. he's slanting. They line him up on the A-gap of one side. They have him spike in the A-gap on the other side. And once every time, maybe even twice in the second half of every single game, Oh, lo and behold, he's in the backfield making a tackle for a loss. Mm -hmm. um, Leo Chanel as a run blitzer is really fun. Uh, Leo he's Chanel changed the line of scrimmage a couple times today. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he does. God, it's Move so much down, fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. <laughs> that was all. That was my only comment. I just was. I was remembering a couple plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm to the point now where they're so bad sitting on their heels. Like you might as well run blitz more. Like, that's what I they mean, did in the was, second half. It looked like what's what's, what's I told. Like, I told you're trying I told, to. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I told BJ at halftime. Like, what do you do to stop? Them? I was like, I don't really know, but like they might want to try a few run blitzes. I think they run. I think they ran blitz like the first play with Leo. I think Leo got some run a couple like a, a possession later and literally the man was like changing the line of scrimmage better than the defensive line was mm -hmm. like dense, powerful dude just making making plays to disrupt and change the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but I mean, like at this point, the reason you don't run blitz 
is because you don't want to get caught out off of a play action pass. You don't want to get caught out and allow an explosive run. They're doing that anyway. Like it's still happening. So, I mean, you might as well embrace it. Like, and that's been one of the things that if there's anything with spags that, you know, you don't necessarily like embrace it, embrace the element of it and just know what it's going to be and just try and maximize as much of it as possible. After that, hell he wants to blitz anyway. Just, just roll with it, buddy. Just just start doing it even more. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Uh, it's time for us to give uh, helmets, butt slaps, uh, <laughs> bottles of vodka, and yep. whatever we let the whatever we let the comments give. Um, I'll I'll start. Helmet sticker goes to Joshua Williams. First career interception, making a play at the goal line. Big. You know, sudden change uh, play to, you know, Sky Moore fumbling the football. He responds, makes a big play for his football team, changes the complexion of that game. Vodka up. You want to butt slap next? Butt slap it, buddy. Uh, let's go with Juan Thornhill. Um, I think he's been a little underappreciated. I've called it out a couple times, so maybe we're getting to the proper level of appreciation now, I think. But, uh, you know, he, he is not perfect. He's not a perfect safety. There's been some ups and some downs throughout the year, but this was another up game. He got the interception late in the game, but it, it was more for his ability, his uh, pass breakup early in the game while it was still close. He made a great play towards the sideline coming over, showing a little bit of range and his ability to play the ball. I think he made a couple decent tackles. They were downfield, but a couple decent bigger play stopping tackles in the open field once other people had missed them. Um, so Juan Thornhill, I think he's had a solid year for the Chiefs. Is a very good bounce back to what was a rough year two and year three for him. And I think he's kind of starting to get a little bit more comfortable out there. And I think it makes it a little trickier for teams who just want to push the ball vertically when he is playing back there, showing this kind of range. Whole last bottle of vodka for Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, mm. First of all, those pants that he wore in his post-game presser were elite. I, I don't know whose they were, maybe Trey Smith's, but um, they, they were absolutely elite. No, he he has been everything that we wanted Juju in this offense to be and more. Like, he really has been a reliable, dependable target for Patrick Mahomes and to see that chemistry building. He talked a little bit about it, how they're kind of hanging out off the field how it's a good thing, how that they're building that rapport, you can definitely see it. And it's just growing little by little each and every week. It's taking the pressure off of Travis Kelsey to be this just ridiculously elite player at all times. It's taking the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes to have to try and turn and create every other down, you know, out of structure, trying to make a, a silly throw, you know, the the fact that Patrick Mahomes is able to sit in the pocket a little bit more and deal from the pocket, there's no coincidence there that it came, comes at the time that he and Juju are starting to click. The timing is there, that the routes are there. Everything looks just so much better when he's targeting Juju Smith-Schuster. So whole ass bottle of vodka for Juju Smith-Schuster for being integrated into this offense. All right, that is going to do it. Nope, Maddie, I'm closing this thing out. It's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back later this week. We have some fun stuff planned for the bye week as well. We'll catch you later.